What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the Mill Spec Believer podcast. Took a week off last week. Just wasn't planning on it, but it just was crazy busy. Uh, we had Easter weekend. I was a, a family reunion vacation, um, and it's just kind of been crazy. So I kind of took the week off and excited to get back into it today. So thanks for bearing with me and coming back. So if you want to connect with me on Instagram or Facebook, I'd love that. It's Millspec Believer. Just look me up and I'm excited to talk with you guys, whether that's just sharing words of encouragement to each other or uh, any questions you guys have or recommendations for the podcast. I'm excited to hear those as well. So hit me up on either one of those. So let's get into it. Episode nine. Today we're talking about adversity, both in the military and in the Christian walk. And I'm excited. Like I said, we took a break last week and I've just been kind of itching to talk with you guys and kind of share my heart. And uh, talking about adversity today is definitely huge in the Christian walk because there is a lot of adversity against Christianity, uh, whether you see it or not. And yeah, I think it's just a good topic to kind of dive into. But before talking about that, just kind of going into what we face uh with adversity in the military, uh, the best train, I'll give a training and like a real world scenario. I think the best training example I have of this preparing you for deployments, preparing you for, uh, what you're going to see downrange. Um, so when I was at TACP officer selection, um, this was about three to four days into the selection. So you're smoked, you're tired, and you you're mentally drained right and anyways you get to this point and you're not really sure what the next iteration is going to be and then all of a sudden the cadre comes and they tell you that you're going to go into a room you're going to have about 15 minutes or so to get your thoughts together and then you're going to be presenting or answering questions in front of a board a board of personnel so You don't really know who's going to be in the board. You don't know what it's going to look like, but uh, you just are assuming it's cadre. So they gave you a few topics to think about. Like I said, you had 15 minutes or so. So at my selection, uh, granted, this is, you know, a long time ago. So don't be listening to this thinking you're getting clues to what you're going to be doing at your selection. This is just uh, at mine. But anyways... That was a disclaimer. So Ukraine-Russia relations. I was told to think about that and my position on that. I was told to think about my position on females in the TACP or special warfare career fields. And um, I was given a lot of hypotheticals to think about um, of real-world scenarios that I would have to make decisions on. And so anyways, you kind of get this fire hose of information and you're stressed out. Like I said, you're tired and you walk into this board and, uh, you, you met two boards while you were there. One was an all enlisted board. So all super experienced JTACs, um, who were questioning you. And so that was super intimidating just as a cadet in college. That was very intimidating. And then uh, the second board you met was with a full bird colonel running the meeting and asking you questions. So it was kind of stressful and it was your first exposure to that kind of environment where you're in front of 
people. You're in front of high-ranking guys. You're in front of experienced guys, and you're expected to, you know, kind of hold your backbone and actually, um, you know, not get stressed out, but actually answer the questions. And you didn't know this going into it, but their whole goal while you were in this board was to make you change your mind. So they gave you those 15 minutes to kind of get your thoughts together, get your positioning on, on certain topics. And when you enter the board, their goal was to figure out where you were at and then give you counterpoints and try to get you to change your mind. So for most of the questions, there was no right answer. So really all they were trying to do was see, can we get this guy to change his mind? Um, and before going into it, I'll say up front, like there's definitely a time and a place to admit you're wrong, be humble and change your mind, you know, like after you've been presented with all the facts. So I'm not saying to not be that way, but I'm saying in this situation, like that's not what was going on. Like they were there, like you, you were supposed to say where you were at on a position and it was very obvious they were trying to make you question yourself. So anyways, final disclaimer before getting into the story is that, uh, I have worked with females in our career field and I've had nothing but positive experiences. I think they've done a great job. Uh, the two TACP officers I know have done a great job and yeah, I'll put that out there before kind of going into what I said while I was in college. So, so I walk into this board and, um, it's the unlisted board first. And the first question out of their mouth was, what do you think about females being in our career field? <laughs> and, uh, at the time I was super against it and I was just like, no, they, they don't need to be in our career field, blah, blah, blah. And they're like trying to give me some counterpoints on, on, uh, why maybe they should be and trying to see if I'd flip. And then eventually they're like, all right, like, are you good? Like, you don't think they should be in the career field? Like that's your final answer. And I was like, yep, nope, they don't need to be here. And they were like, all right. And they yelled, um, yelled this instructor's name. And there happened to be one of the only at the time females in the TACP officer career field at the selection. So she walks in, she's like right up in my face and, you know, I'm standing there at attention. I'm just a little cadet and scared and she's right in my face and she's like, so you don't think I should be here? <laughs> there's just a long pause um super awkward right and i can like i can just see all the cadre behind her in the board like they are so straight-faced but i just know they are like loving their life right now and uh so i told her no like i didn't i didn't think it was a good idea and i gave my reasoning why and she flipped on me cussed me out and uh they ended up calling her off of me to kind of like leave the briefing so we could continue but let's just say that was not a pleasant experience sitting there in front of the only female in the career field telling her I didn't think females should be in our career field wild right like that's adversity right there is someone in front of you screaming at you telling you to change your positioning on something and so that was how I started the briefing. 
and it, when she left, there was like a sense of relief, you know, <laughs> but it just kept going downhill. So the next question they presented me with was, uh, they gave me a hypothetical and they're like, Hey, you have this guy, um, who's always deployed, but you also have another guy who, if he deploys, he'll get a divorce. The guy who's always deployed can't have a relationship because, you know, he's always gone. Um, but again, it, you have another dude, and if he deploys, he's going to get a divorce. So you have a deployment drop, and one of the two dudes has to go. Who are you going to send? And, like, there's not a right answer, right? And so you got to go with your gut. And my answer was like, hey, if you got a married guy, like, I, I think he needs to stay back for the sake of his marriage, one, and two, like, that'd bring a lot of bad vibes on the deployment, you know, if he's dealing with a divorce while he's gone. So that was my answer. I felt like it was the right answer. But then uh, one of the enlisted guys speaks up and he's like, so you're telling me he's more important than me having a relationship? <laughs> and it was just so awkward and quiet in the room. And I sucked my guns and just like stuck with my answer. And again, he ends up just cussing me out and cussing me out. Of, basically, that was how my briefing ended. He kept cussing me out and then just told me to get out of the tent. <laughs> so if you've ever walked out of a meeting and thought, man, that went really well, you know, like I couldn't be further from that point in my head when I left that briefing. I was just like, dude, there's no way I'm getting selected right now when I walked out of there. But um, anyways, like you, you get to the end of the selection and they tell you what was going on and everything. And, you know, you can laugh and it's a good exercise. It's a good exercise to put yourself through and, and see if you have a backbone and see if you can make it through something like that. But it, the reason they do it, just to kind of get to more of a real world scenario, is... Uh, like you, you do have to have a backbone in this career field. Like as a JTAC, as a TACP, you are consistently attached to the army. Um, and for those of you who don't know, if you're not in the military, the army is very rank oriented. Um, like uh, I'll, I'll caveat that and say like, if you're in the air force, if you have a senior airman with a good idea, then you can have a, a colonel or a, a major look at that senior airman and care about what that senior airman's going to say and care about what that uh, lower enlisted guy is going to, what his ideas are, right? But if you're in the Army, like, it's a very uh, shut-up-and-color type mentality. So if you don't know what that means, that basically means do your job, do it well, but... Like, if you're not the highest-ranking guy in the room, then you're not respected. So that's a tough environment to go into as a JTAC um, when you're supposed to be the Air Force expert on weaponeering and um, air-to-ground assets and uh, firepower integration. Like, you're supposed to be the expert on that, and you have a full-bird colonel in front of you asking your inputs and why. Like, you're going to get some flack. You're going to get some push back on anything you say. Um, and like, even as a attack B officer, it's, it's tough, right? Like I'm a, like I'm a captain now, but when I've been put in some of these situations, I'm a first Lieutenant, you know, and just, or even a butter bar, you know, like my words mean nothing to this Colonel. Um, but 
it's it's tough, but you got to do it. And uh, even more so for the enlisted dudes, you got a senior airman JTAC who's doing work downrange. Like he's briefing up high-ranking individuals on what the best thing to do is because he's the smartest guy in the room and he's the, he knows what he's talking about. And so, especially when you're like actually getting shot at and um, calling in bombs, like that ground commander is buying the bomb. And what I mean by that is when, when you tell the plane to drop the bomb and they drop it and blow something up, if something goes wrong, it's, it's for the most part on that ground commander, it, the army commander, or whoever the services that the ground commander is, it's pretty much on him. And so as the JTAC, it's your job to kind of convince him or, or, uh, you got to be a good salesman and, and show him why it's a good idea, why it's the best idea, um, and kind of get him on board. Right. Because if he doesn't trust you, uh, then you're not going to drop any bombs. And anyways, all that to say, you're going to receive pushback. And I thought it was a good exercise in the selection to kind of prepare me, um, or whoever for what you're going to experience as a JTAC when you're actually doing the job. So good times, uh, not fun getting screamed at by the only female in the career field, but you know, it prepared me for other things that I was going to experience. So it's all, all good. So that's kind of the military side of things, right? Um, facing adversity. There's plenty of other examples that I could share. Uh, this one just kind of, uh, added some humor. So I thought it was an enjoyable story to tell, but, uh, kind of on the Christian side of things, do we as believers have a backbone against diversity? I think this is a question we should ask ourselves and something that's good to reflect on. Um, I'll first off say this before I go into anything like our backbone is Christ. Like Christ is the only thing that's going to give us uh, power or give us uh, the strength to fight against adversity in the name of Christ. Like it is Christ. He, he's the one who's empowering us to do that. So before I go into anything, like definitely hear that. Uh, but I wanted to read some scripture real quick. This is Luke 22 verses 54 through 62. And this is as Jesus was uh, getting ready to be crucified and the disciples were kind of following Jesus as he was being tried. And anyways, while Peter is following Jesus, uh, if you don't know who Peter is, he was one of Jesus's disciples and he, (laughs) he messed up a lot. Um, he loved God. He loved Christ. Uh, but he did mess up a lot, and generally his mouth was what would get him in trouble. He'd say things, and it wasn't the right thing, and he was generally uh, corrected pretty quick by Jesus. Um, but anyways, so Luke 22, verses 54 through 62. Then they seized him, talking about Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. 
But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. So, like, that's tough to hear, right? Like, Peter, one of Jesus' close disciples, denying him three times. And um, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this story. And if not, then now you heard it. But anyways, like, that's sad, right? Like, that's tough. Like, facing adversity, like, Peter just crumbles he just completely denies Christ, and um, and he walks out and he and he weeps. You know, Christ is going to the cross to die, and and Peter denies him. And I think we can look to that. Um, and I, I love looking in Scripture, especially examples of Peter or stuff like that, and just being encouraged uh, that that these saints are are sinners. You know, like they mess up, and that's encouraging for me because I'm a sinner and I mess up and uh, all the scripture is to point you to Christ and so like I can read the story and not just stop right here right like Christ goes to the cross he dies and um, and he raises again from the dead and he he visits Peter he goes and sees Peter and he um, he ensures Peter that he loves him and he ensures Peter that um, he still has a relationship with him even in the midst of what Peter did. Um, Peter had a moment of weakness. You know, we all have moments of weakness and sin, and um, we have to repent. We have to run from the sin and and run to Christ. Uh, A definition of a Christian isn't someone who is perfect. A definition of a Christian is someone who needs Christ's blood, and and Peter needed Christ's blood, and uh, he trusted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and so... Christ died for Peter's sins, you know, and so if you've had these experiences where you've messed up as a Christian, where you've messed up in the faces of adversity, like, you have grace for that. So I wanted to share that just because, man, grace is, is really what empowers us to seek uh, seek Christ and to um, really try to be a light. It's grace and the gospel that's going to give us the strength to do that. So, yeah, and I mean, it goes back to what I've told you guys before, you know, like that period when I was at Fort Stewart, like I was not sharing Christ. And did I ever look to those around me and say, I do not know God, I do not know Christ, like, and did I ever deny Christ to those around me with my mouth? No, but I would say that my actions were a denial of Christ. I'd say my uh, my lack of communication about being a Christian was very much so a denial that I was a Christian. You know, it was something that I feared what people would think if I shared my heart. If I tried to share Christ with them, I was fearful. And, you know, I think that was a denial, just like Peter was afraid of what those people would think of him. Like, was I directly asked? No. 
did I deny Christ with my words? No, but I really do think like I was denying Christ in that moment and I need God's grace for that. But, you know, now like I'm, I'm thankful I do have that grace and that I can move forward and, and repent from that and, and seek to live every day in a way that's honoring to the Lord. And that's trying to be that light, you know, that I was struggling to be during that time. So anyways, guys, I I hope this is encouraging. Um, reflect back on that passage maybe this week, uh, and read it for yourselves. But like I said, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram. I definitely want to connect with you guys and, you know, have a mutual encouragement for each other. So keep getting after it. Hope you guys have a good week. Uh, stand strong against adversity and, uh, let Christ, uh, be the power that's going to do that in your life because that's the only thing that's going to give you the strength. So love you guys. See you guys next week.